Hello, welcome to People Who Are Politicians. I'm your host, Matt Snelly. Uh, the episode you're about to listen to features Ros Bates, who is the member for Majorabah in the Queensland Parliament. And it was really lovely to go to the Parliamentary Annex and meet Ros and talk about all the work that she's been able to do for Majorabah. And the cool thing was, uh, after I spoke to her, I actually stayed in Majorabah for a few days for a school volleyball competition. So, go figure. I got to, like, go and have a look around the electorate after we had spoken about um, all the amazing things that are going on in there. And it was really cool to talk to her about uh, what it was like campaigning in that electorate uh, and sort of her uh, active involvement in uh, community groups and things that are going on in the area. So I really hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, make sure you subscribe and share and all those normal things. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and... Yeah, make sure if you if you like it, share it around. Uh, particularly if you could write a review on iTunes, that would help heaps. Uh, the episode after this will be uh, Jennifer Howard, who is the member for Ipswich in Queensland Parliament. So uh, that one should be out next Monday. So yeah, hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, welcome to People Who Are Politicians. I'm your host, Matt Antonelli, and today I'm joined by Ros Bates, the member for Mudgerabar. How are you? I am wonderful, and thank you very much for interviewing me. Uh, so let's start with your electorate. Can you tell us sort of where it is and, I guess, the the vibe of the electorate? Sure. I have a Gold Coast electorate, but I don't have any uh, surf um, and sand uh, anywhere near me. I'm the uh, Gold Coast hinterland, so my electorate's about 403 square kilometres, and it uh, spans both sides of the motorway, um, but it also goes all the way um, over the top of Springbrook Mountain and out to the New South Wales border, and it comes back in over the Beachmont Plateau um, and into the back of um, Gilston. So towns of Mudrabar, uh, Benogan, Springbrook, um, Numanbar Valley, uh, Lower Beachmont, Clagrabar, um, Gilston, um, Talai, Wurrungaree, and um, on the eastern side of the motorway I have uh, parts of Rabina, parts of Carrara and all of Merrimack. So it's a diverse electorate and um, I jokingly say that uh, my electorate is 403 square kilometres and John Paul Langbrook's in Surface Paradise is 27 square (laughs) kilometres so he can walk his in 50 minutes and I can't even drive from my electorate office in Mudrabar to the end of my electorate on the New South Wales border in 50 minutes. But at least, you know, you have that... uh I would say that beautiful hinterland is maybe Trump's uh, John Paul Langbrook's electorate. Oh, of course it does. It's beautiful. And Mudrabar is a, um, a historic um, township, really, and uh, people pride themselves in keeping it uh, like that. And, of course, I've got the um, pristine um, Springbrook Mountain rainforests as well. I've got the Hins Dam uh, in there, and um, people like to keep it as a country electorate. They prefer it like that, and I'm happy to keep it like that too. Um, and you first, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first time you ran for that seat was 2006. That's right. Uh, what were you sort of doing leading up to that, ele- that election? Okay, well, I'm a registered general nurse, have been for 36 years now. Um, I've run hospitals in the past, so I I know how to run hospitals. I also um, am a very good clinical hands-on nurse. I'm one of three nurses, so I like to say between the three of us, there's 120 years of nursing experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's um, 
one of the main motivators for me to uh, go into politics was health. Um, but uh, prior to immediately prior coming uh, coming into Parliament, um, I worked as a federal government health lobbyist, um, particularly in the life saving drugs program for children with rare and fatal genetic conditions. Um, I was involved in the um, National Task Force for Colon Cancer and the National Task Force for Childhood Obesity under the um, Howard governments. Mm-hmm. And I was very good at getting money out of um, politicians for health causes. And then I thought, well, I can continue doing that or I can throw my hat in the ring and hopefully be able to make some of those decisions myself one day. Oh, I was going to ask if you making such a difference out, outside of Parliament, what's What's the point of getting involved in Parliament? But it sounds like if you're if you're in with this expertise, it probably um, helps with all the decision making that's here. Oh, absolutely! And um, I'm now Shadow Minister for Health and Ambulance Services, so um, it's not foreign to me. And uh, you know, I I have a very good understanding of um, what happens at the coalface. And as I said, I'm one of three nurses, so um, I really uh, make sure that I champion the causes of nurses. And when you were running that first time, what was that experience like being in a campaign and, um, you know, trying to take on the Labor Labor Party at that point? Yeah, well, um, I campaigned for 18 months um, before the 2006 election, but we had a change of leader um, uh, only about two weeks before Peter Beattie called the election, so it was a bit of a snap election. And um, I did learn a lot from that campaign. I'm a grassroots campaigner and um, I thought I ran a good campaign in 2006. I only lost by 800 votes Mm -hmm. and I didn't go away. So I gave the Labor member two weeks holiday after the election and I started up the Mudrabar Action Group um, and I held the Labor government to account for the next three years. So, like, I guess you were kind of like the opposition leader of that seat. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I Certainly, I, I was the, the community advocate for all things um, to do with the state, So, which was a great opportunity for me, for me to meet so many locals um, be, well before I was elected. And so when you then were elected in 2009, what was sort of your, um, I guess, the big things that you wanted to get done in the area. Okay, um, my maiden speech is my report card, so I (laughs) often go back to what I said in 2009, 10 years ago, um, and there's only one thing that I haven't achieved um, out of my report card, um, which is a new state high school west of the motorway, Um, and given now that um, Robina State High School is almost at capacity, I've got a new... uh, um, uh, areas starting to um, be developed at um, Pacific Views, which is going to have um, 20,000 people over the next 10 years. So I now have not only a political argument for a state high school west of the M1, I've got an economic argument. Uh, so that's the only thing that I haven't ticked off, but I've been fighting for it ever since. Um, the biggest issues when I first started to run um, in the electorate was roads. Uh, if you polled the electorate, 38% basically, um, it was the biggest issue. And that was because I had the M1 running through my electorate from exit 73 to exit 85. And I'm happy to say that by October 2020, um, the entire length of the M1 through the Mudrabar, what used to be called the Mudrabar car park, um, has been upgraded. And that's because I stood on every one of those roundabouts for weeks on end and every week inhaling carbon monoxide fumes. Um, until I convinced the um, government, whichever one it was, to continue the upgrades. upgrades. And is that sort of the things that, because um, I often talk to, you know, not just state, but federal and, and council level, um, you know, one's in government, one's in opposition. Do you find that when you're in opposition, you've got to 
do those things, like so that the government really takes notice of what what needs to be done. Oh, absolutely! And um, Madurai is a unique electorate. People power gets things done in Madurai. So um, doing petitions and um, getting people um, on the media with you about local issues, it's all very well for me to talk about them as a member of parliament. But it's more important if you have local people where where it really affects them. Um, standing up next to you for these sorts of things and and I'm pretty sure um, in the end the um, Labor government usually go off for God's sake we'll give her what she wants because she's (laughs) driving us nuts. (laughs) Well that's oh gets the job done. It does it does it's a very effective way of doing it I can tell you. (laughs) And so uh, like you said you've been in in Parliament now for 10 years Mm -hmm. uh, and you got to sort of you know be on government benches for a a little bit what Mm -hmm. were uh, because I asked John Paul Langbrook the same question what's it like um the change in mindset when you go from opposition to government is that um, what, what do you have to change about how you operate? Um, well, I think um, as a shadow minister, um, your job is to hold the, gov- the current government to account, yeah. um, but more importantly, to come up with policies for the next election for when we win government. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need to um, know what the issues are in the first place, and then be able to clearly articulate where you want to take things. and And I think the the change in mindset in government is that. Um, you finally got there and you want to do everything mm-hmm. all at once and you know um, sometimes that's not possible and machinery of government sometimes moves really slowly um, and um, it's really uh, sticking to the plan that you had in opposition that you had determined were were the issues that you needed to look at and address fairly quickly when you got into government so for example in health uh, we know that we've got um, ambulance ramping has doubled under this government um, we know that wait times are blowing out for the amount of times that patients are on stretches in ambulances. Um, you know, our EDs are absolutely at capacity and, you know, having worked as an ED nurse, I know exactly what that means. If you've got ambulances ramping out the front of the hospital, that means there's no room at the inn. Um, so you need to build capacity and I don't think that government's done this. Um, mental health is a, um, a big issue. It doesn't matter where I go in the state, from Cairns to Coolangatta, everyone raises the issue of uh, not enough um, services for mental health and, of course, the scourge of ice um, across uh, regional and rural Queensland is a big issue. And so how do you... Because there's obviously, you know, big state issues there that you need to work, I guess, across the whole parliament mm. um, to get through and... I guess, to find a consensus on how you, you deal with those big issues. What's it like when you work in Parliament? Um, because I guess like we were talking before we before I started recording, the fact that most people just see um, a bit of negative news or some maybe some question time where it's quite combative. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it actually like working in Parliament with, with your colleagues? Well, I think the public would be surprised to know that nearly 75% of all the legislation has bipartisan agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, what the public see, unfortunately, is the theatre of question time, which is uh, you know, a um, bit of a one-upmanship and who gets the, um, the smartest um, comment uh, on, on the TV news because they only take grabs um, very quickly, sometimes out of context too. Um, I think uh, for me, um, what was most satisfying um, in the last term of Parliament was we had a hung Parliament. 
And so you could get um, the support of the crossbenchers uh, to get legislation through from opposition. And, and the LNP certainly pushed through some um, um, pretty big pieces of legislation with support from the crossbenchers. And one that I'm most proud of um, was uh, we passed the toughest domestic violence legislation um, for bail provisions um, in the country from opposition. And I'm a um, proud survivor of 15 years of domestic violence myself. Uh, so to be able to uh, push that through the parliament and see the mothers of of three women whose um, daughters had been murdered, um, to see that uh, their influence and what they'd done um, standing up with me to get that legislation across the line meant that their daughters hadn't died in vain. They, they can't save their own daughters, but they did it to make sure that everyone else's daughters were safe. Those, um, because obviously issues come through the House that... Um not just you know policies, bills, everything that comes through the house. There's moments like that that are obviously quite impactful to the lives of the people of the mm-hmm. state. What's that? Um, how does that make you kind of feel when you finally you know you make that big mm-hmm. change happen in the state? I think that was one of my proudest moments um, was getting that legislation through. I mean, we um, it came off the back of the death of Teresa Bradford um, down on the Gold Coast, whose husband was let out on bail and then obviously murdered her. Um, so it was to make sure that I mean, my, our policy, the LNP's policy was, if in doubt, don't let them out. And um, unfortunately, the Gold Coast um, has the reputation of being the domestic violence capital of Queensland. Um, and for me, uh, that was that was a uh, yeah, it was one of the most poignant moments I've ever had, just to see um, the tears of appreciation from those women, um, those very brave mothers who are in a club, in a mothers' club that no one wants to join. Uh, now, obviously, you know, it sounds like, well, clearly you've got, um, you know, a lot of experience in health, domestic violence, um, and, you know, Gold Coast Roads as well, mm-hmm. but occasionally I, I suppose things must come across that you might not be as familiar with. So how do you go about kind of judging policies that you're not sure, you know, that you might not have experienced before? Do you have some that kind of philosophy or way you, you deal with those um, things that come through? Um, my philosophy for policy is the best policy is actually written by the people at the grassroots, people who have um, had to input uh, to um, implement poor policy in the past. And, you know, sometimes governments can be silos and a very bureaucratic approach uh, and they don't actually listen to the people on the at the grassroots who know what they're talking about. So if I want to implement anything in my electorate or talk to... I, I just go out and talk to people. So mm. most people can't find me in my electorate office because I'm never there. Mm. So I, I'm patron of 18 sporting clubs. I'm patron of 22 community groups. I do what I call community corners, so um, uh, four times a month I'm at the front of Woolies at um, Reedy Creek or out the front of Coles at Wurrungaree and people know to come and talk to me or they'll be at the footy or the the rugby and they've got a problem and they'll come and talk to me about it. So I like to think that I consult very well with my electorate and so that when I do come up here in Parliament um, and speak on behalf of the residents, I'm actually speaking for the majority. Um, if it's something that's outside of my scope of practice, obviously, then um, there are we're a broad church in the LNP. We've got lots of different people. We've got plenty of police, and we've got lawyers, and we've got farmers, and um, you know, school teachers. So there are a lot of skills that um, you, that my colleagues, actually bring to the table. Um, obviously, we discuss those at um, shadow cabinet to formulate policy, and then we take it. The ultimate decision is the party room. Because I guess you've also got um, MPs that 
you because know, everyone sort of looks at location a lot of the time. They think, you know, you're from the Gold Coast, there's MPs who are from North Queensland and um, all over the place, but you, you've all obviously got different uh, occupations that you've, you, mm, you bring to your party room as well. Mm. Um, Absolutely. And, tra- and travelling the state and staying in areas like, I mean, I, I don't fly in and fly out. If I go to Cairns, I stay there for three days. I do the same in Townsville. I go all the way down, um, right out to the west, and I actually try and meet as many different groups um, in my portfolios, whether it was child safety or domestic violence or um, health or IT or other portfolios I've had in the past, the building industry. Then you actually talk to the people who, who it's their profession and they're the ones who know. They're the ones who will tell you how to, what a good policy is and what a bad policy is. What do you think the most uh, challenging aspect of being an MP is? Um, I think the work-life balance um, because, I, I mean, I've been um, a single mum um, for 28 years, so my children are all grown up now, so I don't really have to worry about them. They're all interstate. Mm. Um, but it's trying to get that balance because you just... Um, I look at my diary, my staff look at the diary for a week and go, right, let's get Bros all these things to do. And then they don't look at it for the month. And then I go, oh, by the way, I haven't had a day off for six weeks. <laughs> so There's always yeah. a school of PNC meeting or like something. There's always, always something to do. And <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're not working seven days a week as a um, local MP, you're not doing your job. So Yeah, because <clears> I guess it's yeah, the other sort of negative thing that some people, members of the public might think is when Parliament's on recess... What are you doing? <laughs> that's right. I, I know that's a common misconception that, you know, we're only up here two weeks of every month. What do we do with the rest of the time? Um, I wish I had more hours in the day. So uh, just trying to do my electorate work um, and my shadow portfolio and my parliamentary work, um, I'm lucky to get a day off a month. And uh, I guess um, one way that people can kind of see what you're up to, you obviously on Facebook and things like that so people can follow you and make yes. sure... Make sure you're doing your job. <laughs> um, so I'll put that sort of stuff in the episode description as well um, mm-hmm. about where people can find you. Yes. Uh, coming back to your electorate, because um, I guess, like you said, it's a really diverse electorate. It's a really beautiful electorate. I, I visit Springbrook quite often. Oh, um, uh, what are some reasons, what are some specific things that people should come and do in Madurabar? Well, we have um, the Mudrabar Show, which is the last weekend in June, which goes for two days. It is um, the only agricultural show on the Gold Coast. It's not Sideshow Alley. We've got, you know, horses and cows and pigs and dogs and everything. It's a, it's a proper ag show. Um, and today I've just had um, lunch with the uh, Miss Showgirl finalists for the Echo uh, for tomorrow. And Miss Mudrabar um, Showgirl is a finalist. Um, and in fact, two years ago, Miss Echo what did come from the Mudjabar show. So I would, um, if you've got little kids and they've never seen animals, um, best place to come to is the Mudjabar show. We get about 40,000 people through the gates over two days, so it's a big show. Um, obviously, beautiful Springbrook. Um, there are plenty of walks there. Uh, when we were in government, I managed to get a suspension bridge um, at Purlingbrook uh, at the falls there because for... About five years it had been closed. Uh, you used to be able to walk behind the falls, but geographically it was a bit dangerous. Geologically it was a bit dangerous. And so we managed to get the suspension bridge in, so that's great. Um, there are so many walks um, that you can do up there. The Numanbar Valley's got some interesting things. We've got um, mountain bike riding out there. We've got the Raw Challenge. Um, uh, there's, there's plenty of things to do in Mudrabar, especially if you're involved with um, equestrian. Um, we're very horsey in Mudrabar. Um, now, 
obviously you know, you've been in Parliament of well, ten years, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully for many many more years. Um, <laughs> but um, if you like after your time's over, hopefully by your own choice, um, what kind of legacy are you looking to leave behind? You mentioned a lot of the things you got through Parliament, but what what do you think would be sort of the lasting memory that people, whether it's in your electorate or in Queensland as a whole? I think in my electorate, people would tell you I work really hard, that I'm everywhere. um, And... You know, the roads issues we've fixed. It's not wasn't just the M1. I had um, Beachmont Road, um, which has had something like $18 million worth of roadworks on it that had nothing spent on it for many, many years. Um, Springbrook Road we're always spending money on and Pine Creek Road because we, you know, get huge rainfalls there and we've only just opened um, the front road, Gold Coast Springbrook Road, after being closed for 18 months after Cyclone Debbie. There were 170-odd landslips there. So um, I have to deal with... As a member of parliament, I have to deal with um, natural disasters in a different way um, than people on the Gold Coast, and they're only 20 minutes away in Surface Paradise from me. Mm. Um, but I have landslips and rock slides and those sorts of things that you just don't normally associate with the Gold Coast. Um, so I think um, certainly roads, uh, the funding for sporting groups and community groups. I'm very involved, as I said, with all of my groups. Um, I uh, consult with my electorate if there are um, big pieces of legislation that are coming up that um, really mean something to people. If it's, a, um, you know, um, for instance, the abortion debate, the euthanasia debate, I um, consult widely um, with, with both sides, both views. Um, and I think that's important because I, I don't believe that I ever stand up in this house and I'm not re- representing the majority of views. Um, from a Queensland perspective... We have a lot more to do in domestic um, and family violence um, and I that's the reason I kept the portfolio as the Shadow Minister for Women because um, I have a strong interest in that and I think we've got a long way to go still. The LNP started the Not Now, Not Ever review but we, um, haven't had, we haven't been able to roll out those initiatives that's been under this government and I think there's much more to do and child safety um, is just in an appalling mess here in Queensland and um, little Mason Jet Lee, the little boy who was murdered up on, in Caboolture. I'm the patron for Act for Mason um, and uh, we have forced the government into a lot of changes. So now if a child is um, admitted into a hospital with suspected abuse, they cannot go home from a hospital unless they're seen by a child safety officer and that didn't happen with Mason. And if it had, Mason would still be here. So um, he's unfortunately the poster child for everything that's gone wrong. Um, in child safety and I feel so strongly about little kids um, being put in put back in dangerous situations and um, I will continue to um, fight for that and obviously um, to make sure that everybody in Queensland has access to a world-class health system. Is it just I guess just to finish on you like you said you've probably got a million other things to do this afternoon Um, if there's people out there who are considering whether you know they want to join a party or um, have a shot eventually themselves at running for a seat. What do you think uh, would be your biggest piece of advice? Come and see the local member. Mm. Uh, absolutely, come and see. Especially, uh, you know, we need to get more women into politics. And um, women, um, uh, I mean, there's lots of fantastic women out there, but um, no one's going to ask you to run. You have to just. No one asked me to run. I decided I was going to run. And I actually moved electorates um, so that I could run for the seat of Mudra Bar. And I got very involved 
in the local community. So um, if you're seen as a, a local community champion, um, you need to do the groundwork. Um, I mean, there are swings that happen, obviously, in, in elections in Queensland and people um, come in on a swing and go out on the swing, but it's the people who are the grassroots members with their head down and bum up, effectively, who are the ones that um, uh, are always there when uh, after the swings occurred because people... And I always say to people, don't vote for the leader, vote for the person in your local area. If your local MP is doing their job, we'll vote for them. Mm. Well, I will uh, put in the episode description, like I said, where people can find you on uh, mm-hmm. Facebook and Twitter and, yes. and your website and all those normal places and also some uh, community groups in your area as well. Yes. Um, but thank you so much for coming to my show. That's all right. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. 